right. Well, it's a blessing to be with you all this morning. Getting to stand up here is always a challenge. You know, I'd rather be sitting back there in the field with you guys, but uh, you know, getting to share from the Word is a blessing as well. And it's my prayer this morning that God will use my mouth to encourage you guys this morning and to challenge you uh, to love and follow after Christ even uh, greater. So as we look into missions, we have to ask ourselves, uh, what is the point of it and why do we do that? Uh, we need to always keep in mind that it is God's work, and it's His work through us, that compels us to be witnesses for Him and to uh, serve Him right here where we're at, but also overseas and in other places as well. So this morning I would like to start out... Oh. I always say I have a hard voice to pick up with the microphone. Let's read in uh, Acts chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 4 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this scripture that you have given to us in your word. I pray that it will speak to us this morning, that your Holy Spirit will open our minds and lives to uh, apply it to our life, and that uh, you'll just, just give me words to say as I expound on this passage. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as I've studied this passage over the last you know, while and, and meditated on it, I've found that uh, there's different things that kind of stand out to me. Um, first of all, I see that in uh, the first portion that is the Holy Spirit that empowers us and gives us the strength to, to be a witness for Christ. Um, secondly, uh, I find that you know, even though the Bible talks about, you know, certain prophecies, certain things that's going to come to take place, and we need to take heed of those things, uh, at the same time, our focus needs to be on witnessing and sharing the gospel with others. And then lastly, there are so many places out in the world that we're supposed to go to, and this passage expounds on... Uh, the work that God has for us and where he has us and where he wants us to do it. We find so often that there are many philosophies in the world, so many um, suggestions. Of, this is how you share the gospel with somebody. This is what you need to say. Um, you know, and I think that's great. I think training is wonderful, but I think 
it boils down to, you know, we just need to be willing to open our mouths and share the gospel with people. So as I I'll look at the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, uh, I'd like to read out of John chapter 14. And I'll read a couple passages out of that chapter, and it's verses 15 through 17. And it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even in the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. So he who loves Christ will keep his commandments. Um, you know, as I look back in the passage in Acts, you know, it talks about being witnesses for Christ. You know, you go to the other passages of the Great Commission, and it's a very clear command that we are supposed to share the gospel and make disciples of Christ. We oftentimes, you know, get you know, discouraged, we get fearful, um, but we need to realize that it's through Christ's love, and, you know, it's like the song we sang this morning, our fear doesn't stand a chance when we're standing in His love. And out of that love, we need to love Him back. Um, as 1 John says, we love Him because He first loved us. And so in that uh, strength and that command, uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit has come down and He dwells in those who have put their faith in Him. Um, and if we love him, we'll keep his commandment to be a witness for him as well. And he will be our helper in those times. And then also in John 14, verses 25 to 26, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So as we, you know, look at our lives, you know, we put our faith in Christ. Uh, if you put your faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and He will give you the words to say when the time comes to be a witness for Him. And uh, I just wanted to bring that out this morning. You know, one ministry that I had was in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it was a crazy place, lots of same things go on there, but one of the ministries we got to have there is a ministry to a Holocaust survivor, and we started out just by meeting her, and then we went to her house and started doing yard work, and her yard needed tons of work done on it, and so the first thing she said to us when we got there is, I just want you to know, I don't speak about religion and politics, and uh, so we left some of the girls in there to talk to her, just to carry on a conversation. Um, and as we were working out in her yard, she kept looking out at us and she was like, hmm, there's something different about these people. And um, wouldn't you know it, by the end of the day, the thing that she wanted to talk about was religion and why we were doing what we were doing. 
And we were able to share with her that it's because of the love of Christ that has been working in our lives. And we want to tell her about that so that she too can accept his sacrifice and his salvation. And so, you know, I look at that. It was a very small gesture to go in there and um, do her yard work, but that, uh, that relationship blossomed, and over time, before she passed away, she put her faith in Christ. And so, uh, you know, just looking at our lives here in Colorado, you know, we can do that here in Colorado. Uh, we can go to people, serve them, be there for them in the name of Jesus Christ, and he can use that to eventually bring them um, to faith in Christ. And then, as I move on to the next point, uh, we look at what does the future hold? You know, in the verses in Acts where it talks about, uh, Lord, will you at this time set up your kingdom? I think the disciples all through their following of Christ probably had this thought in the back of their head that Christ was going to come and return. Um, he would set up his kingdom and they'd be you know, right there with them, ruling with them. Um, but that was not exactly what Christ had for them. So as we go about you know, our lives, I think this is a pertinent thought for us this morning. Uh, we look at the world, you know, we feel like it's very close that Christ could return at any time, um, however that may be. But while we're studying, while we're thinking about these things, our focus should be on what God has done in us and through us. It should motivate us for holy living, and it should motivate us to be witnesses for Christ, to be telling people that, hey, it's getting crazy out there, and but I know the end of the story. I know that uh, Christ is, is going to reign supreme. Uh, so we've talked about this the last few days. Anna has brought out the point that it's a lot like childbirth. You know, you have the birth pains, the struggles in this world, but the end result is uh, Christ reigning uh, victorious. And uh, I just want to rest in that rather than you know, be fearful of it. And in the meantime, let that change my life so that I'm willing to share the gospel with people. And then uh, as we look at the places that God has us to serve. Uh, a few weeks ago we had a commissioning service and my pastor there in Michigan came and he shared a message uh, for us as we get ready for this journey and he told everybody in the room to look down at their two feet and his point was you know, wherever your two feet are that's where God has you right now and that's where he wants you to serve and to be a witness for him. You know, it's, an, it's sometimes kind of a hard lesson to learn. You know, we want to, you know, I guess in a way, kind of romanticize the, you know, the mission field or um, what we're doing. But the truth is, you guys here in Adelia, Colorado, here at Beacon Island, you have the same ministry and the same goal that we have, just to serve God be a witness for him right there where we are. So as we look at the different areas where um, Christ told them to be a witness for him, it first of all starts right there in Jerusalem. 
right there where they already were. And, you know, it just goes along with right there where your two feet are planted, be a witness for Christ. But then it goes on to say Judea and Samaria. And so Judea would be, you know, the neighboring area. That might be the, you know, the next county over. You know, somewhere that is pretty much the same culture as what we have here, but um, it's just a different location. And then on to Samaria. Um, if you have looked into the Samaritans, you know that the Samaritans were half Jewish. They weren't pure uh, Jewish race, and, and oftentimes the Jewish people disdained, looked on them with disdain because of their um, what their religious practices were and because of their bloodlines. And so it would have been natural for the disciples there in Jerusalem to want to go to Samaria. Um, and so we can look at that too uh, as a challenge for us to go to the places that we'd rather not go to. Uh, I know in South Dakota there are places that we would rather not go to. People that have moved in that, you know, where it kind of scares us more than anything that they're there. But at the same time we need to have the heart for them to hear the gospel and to uh, hear about Christ's love and it's the same way here. Each of us has a different Samaria that we should go to. And then lastly, the ends of the earth. I really feel like that's where missionary aviation plays in. With, with aviation, there's no place that's unreachable. And you know, it's exciting to hear of the helicopters that they're using with some of the organizations. And, and you know, you only have to have a landing pad the size of a, a basketball field and you can land there and start sharing the gospel by learning the language, planning churches, translating the Bible into their language. And so it's an exciting thing for, for me to be a part of and uh, you know, for you to be a part of as well through me in helping to train people who will eventually go and reach the ends of the earth. As we look forward in the book of Acts, um, I won't read it, but it talks about how persecution is kind of what drove the people out of Jerusalem. You know, they were supposed to stay there for a time until the Holy Spirit came and indwelled them you know, at that time. But then, as time went on, it was really persecution that drove the people out of Jerusalem into the surrounding areas. And I just wanted to you know, share the scripture, uh, Romans 1.16. For not, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And you know, it's so easy. It's so easy to get fearful and ashamed, um, but that's really, you know, not something that we should we should give heed to. We shouldn't give heed to that fear. Um, I wanted to read an excerpt from a book called. The Insanity of God. It's a book written by Nick Ripken, and it's talking about people from around the world that um, have been persecuted for their faith in Christ. And so I'll read a couple, couple a few paragraphs out of this book. And it says, In the meantime, in the here and now, a real battle continues. This is the same spiritual battle that the Apostle Paul talked about. First century believers understood Paul when he described an epic struggle that was not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6.12 Followers of Jesus in persecution today understand this battle well. In fact, everyone in the world today who claims to be a follower of Jesus plays a part in this battle. Faithful believers who are paying a personal price in pain and persecution for the cause of Christ truly understand the crux and the cost of their faith. Their witness, their lives, and their examples should inspire and instruct us. Their experience reveals what is at stake, and their experience also reveals much about evil and its power. Believers who know what it means to suffer for their faith help us recognize and understand the enemy's tactics and his ultimate goal. Satan at his worst, evil at its core, and persecution in its essence does not overtly seek to starve, beat, imprison, torture, or kill followers of Jesus. The strategy of Satan is simpler and more diabolical than that. What is Satan's paramount intent? Quite simply, it is this denying the world access to Jesus. Satan's greatest desire is for the world, the people of this planet, to leave Jesus alone. Satan's desire is that we turn away from Jesus, or that we never find him in the first place. If Satan cannot be successful at that, he desires to keep believers quiet, to diminish or silence our witness, and to stop us from bringing others to Christ. It is that simple. Once we understand the nature of this spiritual battle and the strategy of the enemy, we see clearly the role that believers have been called to play. We also see the importance of our choices regarding witness and faithfulness and obedience. At the beginning of every day, we choose. It is simply a matter of identification. Will we identify with believers in persecution, or will we identify with their persecutors? We make that choice as we decide whether we will share Jesus with others or keep him to ourselves. We identify ourselves as believers by taking a stand with and following the example of those in persecution. Or we identify with our persecutors by not giving witness of Jesus to our family, our friends, and our enemies. Those who number themselves among the followers of Jesus but don't witness for him are actually siding with the Taliban the brutal regime that rules North Korea, the secret police in communist China, and the Somalis and Saudi Arabias of the world. Believers who do not share their faith aid and abet Satan's ultimate goal of denying others access to Jesus. Our silence makes us accomplices. When Ruth and I speak and teach and share with Western churches, we often ask, are often asked if we believe that persecution is coming to America. My response is often rather pointed. I say, quite sincerely, why would Satan want to make wake us up when he has already shut us up? Why would Satan bother with us when we are already accomplishing his goal? He will likely conclude that it is better to let us sleep. Our problem is not simply a lack of concern, and our problem is not that we are unaware or disinterested. We know that what is happening around the world certainly in light of what we have encountered in this book. We know that about sacrifices that are made for the faith. We know more about the health and the whereabouts of other members of the body of Christ today than any other time in history. Ultimately, the problem is one of emphasis and focus. Instead of recognizing, thinking about, remembering, praying about, identifying with, and focusing on the suffering of fellow believers around the world, we would do well to shift our focus. 
quite simply, we would do well to ask ourselves whether or not we are being obedient to Jesus. He is asking us, he is expecting us, he is commanding us to share him wherever we go. He is commanding us to do that wherever we are today. I cannot forget the words of my friend Stoyan. He understood both the spiritual battle being waged and the significance of the decision he made. He said, I took great joy that I was suffering in my country so that you could be free to witness in your country. And then he raised his voice to say, don't ever give up in freedom while we would never give up in persecution. And that is our witness to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, I'm, I'm always convicted when I hear uh, stories like that. You know, I don't come before you this morning saying that I have it all figured out. But really, this message is for me as well. Um, but oftentimes we hear the word, you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You know, we should really have the heart um, that God said it, that settles it, I believe it. Um, as I think about my own testimony and what God has done in my life, oftentimes it's, it's hard to really express you know, what God has done in my life. Um, but really, that's where it all needs to start. When I'm sharing my testimony, my life story with others, it needs to be taken to where I was at my lowest and use that story to show others that's where Christ came in and that's where he saved me and gave me salvation in him. Um, you know, so for you guys this morning, I just want to challenge you all to uh, look at your own lives. Don't make yourself someone that you're not. Don't you know, try to put on a face that makes you look better than the rest of the world, you know, whether or not we grew up in this church or whether we grew up outside of this church, we need Christ's salvation um, no matter what. And as we seek to share the testimony of God's work in our life, we need to remember that. Um, as I get close to closing this morning, I want to just reiterate the fact that salvation is God's sacrifice for us. Because we are sinners, we would be separated from God for the rest of our life. And through His salvation, He has given us the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. And when we accept that perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins, that is what saves us. That is the faith, um, what we are to put our faith in. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and it's that free gift, that free sacrifice, and with that free sacrifice we are made clean and have the relationship with Christ. So, as we go out into the world, seek to find ways to share about what God has done in your life, Seek to be obedient to what he's called you to, and uh, be faithful right here at Beecher Island and the surrounding area. So, I guess that covers what I wanted to share with you this morning. I pray that it 
will encourage you in some way. Um, I pray that you know, as we partner together with the gospel, that uh, God will keep us strong, that he will keep this church following after him, and that we will all keep our eyes focused on Christ. So, I'll close in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message, a sobering message, because sometimes we are so weak and we, uh, we struggle to be a witness for you. But I pray that you will work in our hearts, help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit as you lead and guide. And I pray for those that are listening, for those that can hear our message. I pray that uh, you will work in their lives to bring them to you. We thank you for your work. We thank you for what you're doing. And we pray this in Jesus' name.